All right. Well, let's get into a new conversation today. I'm really, really, really excited about this. I don't always get to preach about uh, dating, relationships, sex, marriage, all of these topics that uh, we are so hungry to know about. We asked a question on social media and email just a few months ago, and man, I don't think we've ever seen any response like this, like so many, so many emails, so many comments, so many people saying, hey, how do I do this question after question after question when it comes to dating, when it comes to sex, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to singleness, how do we navigate all of this? What does love look like in all these places? And so I'm excited for the next four weeks, we're going to unpack all these conversations and really try to help each one of us navigate relationships well. And I know that relationships are messy and all over the place and they can be the most amazing moments of your life and the most horrific, painful moments of your life. And I know that as you're navigating all of this, we have questions and tensions and curiosity around all of it. Um, things have gotten complicated lately when it comes to relationships, haven't they? And uh, we saw this recently, and I, I just want to show you this. Just kind of kick us off today. Watch this. Isn't that perfect? Isn't that, isn't that the way it is? Uh, I'm so thankful that Sweethearts finally came up with the, uh, the right things uh, for us to give away to those that we think we might like or, or we're uncertain about. Uh, I, uh, man, relationships, they, they can take a twist and a turn so quickly and become so ambiguous and so unclear so quickly that uh, I think today is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk about dating specifically today. And uh, I know that there's a lot of tension, a lot of questions around dating, and, and I want to be as helpful as we can in this conversation. I was thinking back to when, way back when I used to date, I know I'm old now, but uh, we're hitting 22 years of marriage this May, my, my wife and I, and uh, <clears throat> so, so, so thankful, even for the dating moments that we had together, so many amazing moments, and uh, when we first started uh, dating, it was, it was super fun time, uh, we were both in college over in Seattle, and um, we got to this kind of point where we're like, okay, we, we've started defining the relationship. Anybody know what I mean when I say DTR, right? Like we started defining the relationship and there's this sense of like next steps emerging and we need to go meet her parents. Like I need to meet them. Uh, I need to talk to them. I need to kind of see them face to face. I think this is getting serious, right? Like that kind of a moment. And so we jumped in my 1986 Volkswagen Jetta that was falling apart and uh, we headed from Seattle to Coeur d'Alene. Her parents, uh, you know, she grew up in Coeur d'Alene. And so we're on uh, like I-90, halfway here, snowstorm, dark, dark at night. It's me, her, and her roommate. And, and uh, we're all heading there for this great adventure. And it was an adventure because the car burned up. You know, the alternator somehow just smoked and got, was gone. And uh, the batteries started dying halfway through this drive as the windshield wipers are feverishly trying to keep up with all of the snow. The headlights are getting dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. The wipers are going slower and slower and slower to the point where we got to a spot halfway across. I mean, I think we're at the, the Columbia River. Like we were, we're like a long ways away from Coeur d'Alene. Um, and the car's just done. I pull off. There's a service station, gas station there. It's like the only thing right there at Vantage on the Columbia River. I drop my keys in the 
um, you know, I need help box there at the repair shop. And uh, just went inside to the gas station and started asking random people for a ride to Coeur d'Alene. Like, who does this when you're going to meet these people that are so important uh, in your life? And so I asked one truck driver. He's like, you don't want to ride with us. My, my, my truck has lice. We're like, amen, we don't want to ride with you. That sounds good. Uh, ask another uh, family. It was a, a, a mom and a daughter. And they said, yeah, we got a big SUV. Three jump in the bag. It would be great. Uh, we had no idea, but they chain-smoked the entire drive, like just handing each other cigarettes the whole time. And we got the windows down, trying to breathe, you know, snow in our face, all of this. It's, it's just, uh, we get finally to Idaho, and the next evening we're out to dinner. And this is the moment, you know, like this is the DTR. Like we're serious, and I want to ask their permission to date her with intent, I, I like code language for I really, really want to marry this girl, but we're not quite to that yet, you know. And uh, we get to dinner that night, and we're at Chili's. Like, who still goes to Chili's? I don't know if this is even a thing anymore. Oh, I saw a few hands. Like, you're wild. You are awesome. Like, you get chips and salsa and a burger at the same restaurant. I don't, uh, it's, um, we get, <laughs> isn't that random? It is so random. And, uh, we're there at Chili's in Coeur d'Alene, and, um, you know, it's kind of the moment. We've had lots of small talk, and I'm like, well, I really wanted to talk to you guys. And, and I start telling them why, because I like this girl so much, your daughter, and she's amazing. I kind of start telling them how amazing she is and how much fun we have together and how we just can't wait to see where this relationship really goes. And there's kind of all this conversation. I look over, and Kate's next to me, and she's just, like, tears streaming down her face. And, like, it's special, you know. And then across the table is her mom, and she's bawling her eyes out, too. And I'm like, oh, yes. Like, this is going so good. Like, I, I didn't script any of this, but, man, God is here. You know what I'm saying? It's like my first preaching moment ever right there. <laughs> and... And it was just powerful, special. And, and I finally, I look up and I look at Dale, her dad. I don't know if you know Dale, but he's stoic. He's quiet. He's, he's one of the kindest men I've ever met in my life. But he won't really kind of give you any emotional sense of where he's at. And he's literally just locked in on my, you know, straight eye contact. And I want to give him eye contact back, you know, because this is like a really important moment. And he doesn't say a word. Like, they're both sobbing their eyes out, you know, and he's just locked in on me. It's quiet. I finally kind of shut my mouth, you know. I'm like, waiting. Like, awkward. Like, this awkward, right? You feel awkward right now. It was just like 100 times more awkward. And he finally just goes, well, I'm like, okay, here it comes. He goes, yeah, well, you're not exactly what we've been praying for. <laughs> Of course, his wife's like, Dale, you know, and he's, you know, it's, it's all funny and all, all good. But it, like that moment, right, it felt like things are good. And then like the carpet just got yanked out from underneath me. And how did my relationship get here? We've been on such good trajectory. And I think that this is how it feels a lot of times when you're in relationship, married, dating, single, whatever. Like there is all these uncertainties that swirl around all the time. And we feel like, how are we going to clarify? How are we going to understand? How are we going to move forward? What is this going to look like? We got a gift for you guys. We got these, um, these actual candy hearts for you on the way out the door. And here's my hope is that, that you'll be able to, you'll be able to take a few of these this week and, and, like this one says, real love, baby, right? Yeah, and uh, you'll be able to bring some clarity to your relationships out of this conversation today. Are you excited for that? Uh, I really 
two of you are excited. Are you excited about that? I, I really hope so. I, I really want you to have some clarity coming out. And so, yeah, we got a box of these for you on the way out that we want you to get. And maybe it'll help. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, man, when it comes to our attempts in relationship, dating and marriage and otherwise, I believe we have a goal, fulfillment, satisfaction. Nobody gets into a relationship to be miserable. Amen. We actually want to experience love and joy and like all the happiness that comes with connectedness. And I really believe that God put this there. You have this design by God put there on purpose. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, um, when Adam has been created, but Eve is not yet on the planet yet, God is looking at all of his creation. And he says, man, everything's good. But he says, he stops right then in verse 18. He says, it's not good that man should be alone. He actually made you with a desire for relationship with other human beings. Like this is a good, normal, natural part of who we are. And when we seek out relationship with others, we desire fulfillment, joy, satisfaction in those relationships. But part of the thing that I think is, is easy to kind of slip past when we start talking about all the practicality of dating here in a moment and dive into a bunch of scriptures, I, I think I, I just want to set the stage for you today because it's so important that you understand that that the author, the, the creator of you and me, the one who fashioned you and shaped you, who intended you for relationship with him and relationship with other people, knows and understands how you're wired and how you're put together and has so much in mind and in store for your life when it comes to your relationship with him and your relationship with other people. And, and I want to challenge and encourage you, like, this is not a conversation about dating that is separate from your intimate relationship, your connection with Jesus. In fact, I would say the success of your relationships with humans is absolutely dependent on the success of your relationship with God. And if you wrestle with your relationship with God or don't feel like you actually have one, maybe you're a church person or you grew up around church, but you don't actually know Jesus, like his love, his grace, his mercy, that he loves you and has saved you and has purpose for you and designed for you and people for you and he actually wants to take you by the hand and lead you through all of these situations all this situationship we're talking about uh, if you don't understand that that the closer you get to God the the more ability you have to be fulfilled in your relationships with other people the more disconnected you are from God the more you will struggle in relationship with other people and so it's it's so powerful to understand that you actually have the ability to walk closer and closer to God. And as you do, you have more and more capacity to be filled in your relationships with other people. And I'd say the opposite is true as well. When you struggle and have unforgiveness and bitterness and hurt in your relationships with other people, it will cause you to struggle in your relationship with God. You'll find yourself distant and separated from God and like God's a long ways off from where you are. And, and so this interdependence, we can't just like talk about dating in a purely social construct. We have to talk about it in a spiritual sense. Because this, when you, when you see this definition, this is the internet definition of situationship. You can see the tension. This is what culture is teaching us, right? Because we can't define, because it's so unfulfilling, because relationships are so hard and messy and broken, let's create a whole new word, right? And a whole new definition of relationship called situationship. It's a romantic or sexual relationship that is undefined and non-committal. Wow, sounds so fulfilling, right? People in a situationship are more than friends, but less than committed romantic partners. They're somewhere in the middle there, right? 
And that lack of clarity, that ambiguity is a breeding ground for hurt, pain, brokenness, all kinds of uncertainty in our lives. And so I wanna, I wanna hit this head on together today and go, okay, God, if you designed us for relationships, show us what it's like to have relationships. Maybe you've got divorce in your past and you're navigating healing from that or you've found yourself in a place relationally that you never imagined you would be. The idea of dating, the idea of maybe connecting with somebody romantically is maybe really difficult for you. Others of you, you, you found yourself um, just just struggling in the relationship you're in and unsure if this is the right person or, or if you should even be dating this person. And I think that these, these circumstances, these situations are places that God cares about. God sees, knows, understands, and loves you and wants to lead you through these questions, through pains, through these difficulties. And I believe he's gonna do that as we unpack this together. So keep in mind, fulfillment really is our goal. Fulfillment in our relationship with people. Fulfillment, satisfying relationships. And I think that we really can't experience that apart from a relationship with God. And I say that with a lot of confidence. And you may ask me, like, where do you get your confidence from? Let me show you a couple of passages uh, of scripture that will really help uh, you understand where I'm coming from. First Corinthians chapter 13. If you've got a Bible or Bible app, I want you to look that one up real quick. Because when we start talking about relationship, we've got to talk about love. Love is this word that gets thrown around all the time that we say to lots of people all the time. And, and I think it's really important for us to kind of go, okay, what do we do with this, this, this word? Is it, what is it really? At the core of it, I, I really believe love is a, is a conscious act of the will. It's a choice. It's a decision. Are there emotions connected with this decision? Absolutely. Feeling in love is a really important feeling. But feelings don't always tell you the truth and feelings don't always stay exactly the same. And this is why we find fickleness in our relationships because some days we're just not feeling it, if you know what I'm saying. And in those feeling swings, those emotional swings in our life, we end up creating a lot of wreckage and a lot of baggage. And so when I look at, at a true, like, biblical definition of love, I see it as simply this, an act of the will. A decision. Where do we get this definition from? Look at ver uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. Verse 4 says, love is patient. Love is kind. These aren't like feelings, right? These are actions. These are ways of being. This is who you are. Love does not envy. It, is not, it does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It Keep a record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's a strong definition of love right there. And sometimes we make the mistake of, of, of thinking only in terms of the feeling or the emotion associated with a romance and a romantic moment and relationship, which is not wrong or bad to think of, but there's a depth here to love that I want you to see. When you start to unpack like God's definition of relationship and the way God sees love and the way God has written love into our hearts, it's important that we don't allow the things that we see around us to, do, to determine our definitions of love, but we actually come to the author, the creator, the perfecter of this faith and go, okay, what do you mean by love, God? We only really know what love is because of God. 1 John 4, 8 says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. 
the very essence of love is determined by the character and the nature of God. You look at the story of God. It's a story of constant love creating mankind because he loves us. Not because he was lonely and needed somebody to hang out with, but because he loves us and has this love to, to, to pour out onto mankind. Even as we reject him and, and, and walk away from him, you see God over and over in scripture creating opportunity for people to be brought back into relationship with him, not staying at a distance, not writing us off, not cutting us off, but making it possible for us to come back, even to the point of sending his son, Jesus Christ, here to earth to walk in our shoes, be tempted in every way we've been tempted, remain without sin, and actually become a sacrifice, laying down his life for us. When, when Paul writes, love is not self-seeking, you could just imagine Jesus laying his life down so that you and I could experience life in him. 1 John 3, 16 says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. When you see this definition of love, I think it's important to, as a backdrop when we start talking about dating today. Your fulfillment in any relationship is going to be predicated on the strength and the fulfillment of your relationship with God and the way that you are experiencing the love of God poured out into your life. If you're disconnected from the love of God, you have no capacity to actually bring love to any relationship. And I say this with just so much conviction in my heart to see that in, in all of our years of marriage, like how many times it's come down to just her and I, my wife and I, just making this conscious decision over and over to, to not put ourselves first, but to make decisions to say, all right, this is a moment of service and sacrifice and humility and, and, and laying my life down for my wife, for her husband, so that we can experience the kind of relationship that God wants us to have. So when it comes to dating, let's dive into it specifically. It's, this is, this is going to be fun. All right. Um, I want you to turn back a few pages in your Bible to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is where I want to. We'll be in and out of this passage several times over the next few weeks as we unpack sex and marriage and all these other conversations. 1 Corinthians chapter 7. If you don't know where that's at in Scripture, you could just Google it or look it up there in your table of contents. Dating as a whole, that construct is socially or, uh, arrived at. It's not something that, that um, Scripture ever talks about. In scriptural times, um, there was no such thing as dating. They arranged marriages. It was like, ta-da, here he is, you know. <laughs> Have fun, you know, like, uh, uh, <laughs> talk about a decision of the will, right? <laughs> like love. Oh, dear God, I got to learn to love this. I got to learn to love this woman. There, there was none of this dating stuff. And that doesn't make dating wrong or bad, but it just makes it not something that's real clear biblically. And so when I start to look at these passages, I'm trying to help us understand principles that will govern and lead the way we navigate the culture that we're in. For us just to say, like, dating shouldn't exist, like, that's really not a, a reality for us in the midst of all that we're navigating in relationship. And so I want to come at this and just go, okay, let's look at this principle here in this passage and then kind of build off of some of these principles to help us understand the wisdom that comes from Scripture. I want you to look at um, verse 7 with me of chapter 7. Paul, this author, writes to the church in Corinth, and this church had a bunch of questions about Lots of different things. And this specific chapter is all about marriage and singleness and, and, and relationships like that. And so he says to them in verse 7, I wish that 
all men, all of you, were as I am. And what is he speaking of? He's single. I think this is really interesting because I don't know if you feel this, but at times we've kind of overly romanticized and even maybe kind of glorified marriage as like that's the ultimate of the way life should be. And, and Paul's just like, unapologetically, like, I wish all of you just were single. That'd be awesome. <laughs> I don't know what's driving this statement, but he's like, I just wish you were like I am. But he's like, I understand each one of you have got your own gifts. I mean, you're not as gifted as me, right? Like, you can't handle singleness, you know. Uh, some have this gift and some have that gift. You know, some need to be married, some of you, whatever. Now to the unmarried and to the widows, I say it is good for them to stay unmarried. Stay that way. But listen to his caveat here, as I am. That, but if, verse 9, but if they cannot control themselves. <laughs> he's meaning sexually here, okay? Uh, if they cannot control themselves, they should marry, for it is better to marry than to burn with passion, or other translations say lust, okay? Like, if you're a lust burner in the room, get married. That's like... Dun, 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 it's romantic, right? Let's go. <laughs> I can't wait for that wedding ceremony because I'm burning. Like, <laughs> Wow. Candy Hearts can't rescue that one at all. <laughs> but I think it's really important that you see that some choices in your life are not governed by God with absolutes. You know what I mean by that. God doesn't have like a thing that he's like expecting out of your life. And if you screw it up, you're, you're just going to get it all wrong. There's this freedom in this passage to see difference, right? Like singleness or marriage. But, but you see that in this conversation, there isn't this like ambiguous in-between that dating has become. There's either this or there's that. And so when you start to unpack the conversation about dating, I think it's important, again, that this backdrop of not only a biblical definition of love, but also this clear guidance in Scripture, like if this is where you are, stay single and be amazing at being single, and that is so awesome that God has called you that. But if you burn with lust and can't control yourself, head towards marriage. That's where you need to go. Some of you are like, oh, I would never, that's not why I'm getting married, Richie. I, Okay, this is what Paul's writing about, and, and I'm not going to, like, argue with you about the motive of your heart, but I think it's really cool that there's just this simple clarity in this passage. And so when it comes to dating, I think a lot of the practicality is, all right, how do I know if I'm dating right, well, or the right person? Is, am I doing this okay? Are we screwing this up or each other up? or Like, what does all of this mean? So when I look at that backdrop of Scripture, I would say, how do you know? First and foremost, you've got to keep whatever your relationship you are in, married, dating, otherwise. You've got to keep these relationships moving forward. Keep it moving. Stagnation, staleness, complacency in any relationship will kill it. And I think when I see that definition of situationship from earlier, that's essentially what I see us practicing in culture right now, is we're practicing stagnancy, uh, staleness, complacency, lack of definition, ambiguity, and trying to make up words that kind of show how complicated all of it is, right? And, and when I see this passage that Paul's like, hey, either you're here or you're there, get moving towards that thing called marriage, if you're dating, that is really where you're heading. You're heading toward marriage. And I think if you are moving in this relationship, dating, 
moving towards marriage is going to keep things a lot healthier. does not mean it's going to be easy. doesn't mean it's all going to work out and it's just going to be great if you do that. But that movement is going to keep health and growth being demanded of you and your, your girlfriend or boyfriend, the one that you are potentially going to be marrying. And that movement is so important. So one, move toward marriage as you're thinking about dating. Move with this biblical understanding. The more you aim at marriage, the more clarity you will bring to that relationship. The more ambiguous you allow things to be, the more dysfunction and pain and brokenness can be allowed to exist in that relationship. Does that mean like right away, date number one, is he the one? Is she it? You know, like my wife knew as soon as she saw me, but it doesn't always go like, I'm kidding. I asked her out four times before she finally said yes. But once she said yes, you know, then, <laughs> gosh, uh, you guys are terrible. Uh, this is, moving towards marriage is so critical. Um, a question to ask yourself, is this someone you would marry? Is this somebody that you could say those vows before God and before your, your family and, and mean that with all your heart till death do us part in richness and in poorness and sickness and in health? Like, is this someone that you could go through the, the poverty with? Is this someone that you could suffer with? Is this somebody that you could experience life with to its, all of its ups and all of its downs that you could go, man, I'm, I'm in for life. No matter what comes our way, this is somebody. Like, that filter will help you know if you're dating the right person. If the answer is no, then the answer is no. And don't mess around with, like, well, you know, Kind of, you're, you're, you're ruining your own life when you make those kinds of concessions. You're destroying your own heart. You are, you are giving so much room for damage to come into your life with those kind of concessions in your life. Is this somebody that you are committed or would be committed to marrying? And I know you need time to figure some of that stuff out, so I'm not saying like date one. I, I am not like that crazy at all. But another question that could really help you, and you got to get to know this. This isn't over the time type question, but is this person amazing on the inside? And what I mean is that I know that there's a lot of pressure on a lot of you to keep up with all the latest, you know, fashion trends, the way everybody's nails look and the way the Botox is and the way, you know, kind of like, I know that there's a lot of pressure to keep up and make sure that whoever you're getting photos with has that same kind of look as everybody else, right? Like, I understand that element. And I don't, I don't fully, like, feel that pressure with you, but my heart is with you in that pressure. But, man, at the, at the end of the day, character matters more on the inside. Like, do they need to be cute? Absolutely. Date somebody that's cute, right? Like, don't just go for the ugly one because that must mean they have character. Like, <laughs> I am not saying that at all. But, man, character is way cute, okay? And I'm trying to elevate, like, what's on the inside? Like, you got to get to know who this person really is. Like, to be attracted is absolutely amazing. But don't just settle for cute for beautiful, for hot, right? Like, uh, keep the standard at godly. Character matters more. I think about when things get tough in any relationship, the appearance of a person won't matter 
Like, ladies in the room, if you're, you're tracking with a guy and maybe you guys are just talking right now, it's not official yet, but you're, you're kind of thinking, like, this is going somewhere. I want you to spend some time and really try to discern, like, the, the soul of this man. And does he have the kind of character that says, when things are difficult, I have disciplines in my life that have led me to a place of resilience and persistence and faithfulness? Or is he super flaky? Is he late to everything? Is he, is he someone that can't keep a commitment? Because I promise you, that is a lack of character that will hurt you. That lack of character in that guy will damage your heart, will damage who you are. And you have to be really wise when you're moving towards marriage. Like, I want you to find somebody that is consciously making these decisions. Like, love is an act of the will. So do they have a track record of making hard decisions when things are difficult? That's character. Somebody that just does it when it's easy and convenient is not somebody that you can depend on. I'd encourage you to pay attention that character... That happened last service, and it's really awesome when phone just shuts, shuts off, okay? This is why we're remodeling this building. Uh, this is, uh, anyway, character matters more. Uh, character, uh, I would encourage you with this just practically. Re- ask for references. Like, find somebody that actually knows this person. Don't just take their word for it. Like, so often, uh, the beginning, the first date is always like this discourse of how bad all those previous boyfriends and girlfriends were, Right? And how messed up they were and how much different I am now, you know? Like, really? <laughs> really? Because you still dated all of them and you still, like, kind of, you know, like who they are is really who they are. And it's so easy to allow the big talk to kind of smokescreen us in these moments and to see actual track record of hard decisions made in difficult times, somebody that's really been faithful. Don't let him convince you he's a changed man. You want to see that demonstrated. You want to allow space where he's not performing for you, she's not performing for you. You want to allow space and time so you can actually see the character of who this person is. Character matters more. One of the other things I would attach to this part of the conversation is, is are they amazing on the inside is we'll all see deficiencies in any human being that we're around. You get married and you're just like, oh, all right. We both got a lot that we brought into this relationship. And so change in a person is probably one of the slowest, most agonizing things to endure, not only in our own selves, but in somebody that you're close to. But I want to encourage you, like, in a dating situation, like, don't make some sort of commitment in your heart and your mind, like, I'm going to change them. I'm going to get them better and healthier and stronger and more awesome. I'm going to figure all that out for them or prod them into that change. Like, that kind of a relationship is dysfunctional from the beginning. 
That is really what we would call enablement. That is you trying to do their part for them. And you were never designed to do anybody else's part. God has always done his part, and he is asking you to do your part, to work on your character and who you are and who you are becoming. And they, whoever they are, better be somebody that is trusting that God is working on them and changing them. And and you want to see that demonstrated in their life. It is not your job to fix them up, clean them up, pick them up and make them all the way they're supposed to be. That is God's job. That is between them and God. In fact, some of you have gotten in the way of that because you have created this kind of dysfunctional enablement where you're kind of this one that's keeping them from God actually changing them. And here's how sometimes this happens when when we actually step in and kind of pad that whole conversation where God's trying to get them to the end of themselves so that they'll finally turn to him wholeheartedly and you're in the way. Like, don't do that. The best way to love that person is let God work in their hearts and their lives. Don't get in the middle of that, right? Have some distance, have some space, have some time, and allow that kind of character to be demonstrated and and borne out. Man, if you're considering dating someone or with somebody right now that is not currently making hard choices, that is theirs to work on, not yours. I would, I would ask you to consider even giving some, a break or some distance to see if they're going to really be serious about engaging in a life-changing relationship with God in heaven. And allow them to do that work with God and don't allow yourself to get stuck in that place. So is this, uh, is this person amazing on the inside? Is a huge filter. It takes time and takes some research. It takes some stalking on Instagram. I mean, it takes lots of stuff, right, to... This, but pay attention. Who are they following? Like, if he's following a bunch of porn accounts, I guarantee you he's not the guy for you, okay? Like, if, if, like watch these things. Don't be naive, right? Uh, is, this, is this person amazing on the inside? Is this person more passionate about Jesus than you? Paul writes in 2 Corinthians verse 14, uh, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common, or what fellowship can light have with darkness? The, the picture he's saying here, yoked, is not normal language that we would use, but it's a, an agricultural illustration of two oxen that are plowing a field together. They put a yoke around them that they share this yoke, and together the strength of this team is greater than one ox by itself. But if they're unequally yoked, then one's going to be behind and one's going to be ahead. One's stronger, one's weaker, and there's this kind of tension that starts to create. It's like a boat with a rudder stuck to the left, and you just find your life doing circles, right? And some of you are in this kind of relationship. You've just been, just been doing circles because you've allowed this disconnect in, in your relationship with God, their relationship with God, Maybe there's, there's this uncertainty about where they even stand with Jesus. Man, I would encourage you. Like, this is something that you need to step back and really let God get involved in that place because you don't want to put yourself in a position where you are in this spot. Paul's not writing specifically to marriage in this passage. He's writing to, I mean, business leaders in the room. This is an important uh, principle for any relationship that we're entering into a partnership Man, we got to pay attention. Are we going to be in it together at the very core of who we are? Is this somebody who's more passionate about Jesus than you? I think for me, early on when we first started dating, I saw my wife as this amazing answer to prayer because I'd been praying for months. God, give me an amazing woman that's more passionate about Jesus than I am. 
And when I started seeing this, this amazing passion bubbling out of my wife, it was like so like amazing and attractive. I'm like, oh dear God, like this is so cool. There's days that I regret some of those prayers, right? Because I'm like, it would be nice just to hit cruise control every once in a while, you know? But that's not, that's not how we are. We're always pushing each other spiritually. And I think that's so fulfilling because we know that we're in this together. Do we always get it right? Absolutely not. But there's this amazing adventure that we're on together of growing closer and closer to Jesus. Ah, oh, man, move toward marriage. Um, the other thing that I would say that's really critical in your dating, i got to wrap up. The guys are going to come up here and kick me off the stage in a second. But I really want you to hear this. Not only move toward marriage, but move with boundaries. That's the other important principle in dating. Movement is important, but having the appropriate guardrails, boundaries, protection, Proverbs 4 says, above all else. I want you to hear this, these three words here, above all else. Guard your heart. Above everything else you do, guard your heart. That's what a boundary is. It's a guard for your heart. It's a guard for your emotions. It's a guard for your body. It's a guard for your, your future and what God might be wanting to do through you. And, and many times we have given ourselves uh, away, emotionally given ourselves away, physically given ourselves into bad, horrible positions that have created so much damage in our life because we didn't have the appropriate guardrails in our life to keep our hearts in a good spot. And so now maybe your heart is twisted and jaded, like I hate men, I hate women, right? Like, like you've gotten into that spot because you've, you've been hurt so many times times. Boundaries are not weapons to beat people with. I've seen them get weaponized so much, and I, I hate that because a boundary is about guarding your heart and guarding their heart. It's about you understanding we're fragile, we're frail. I only have one heart. I don't get to, like, redo this thing. Like, the baggage and the brokenness that I'm creating in my life and in their life is going to be with me. God can redeem and God can heal, but Man, I need, I need God in this moment right now to help me guard and protect this heart that he's given me. Boundaries come from this place of guarding your heart. A couple of ones that are real practical. One, I would say, is you got to have sexual boundaries. Why? Because God, God has a design. I'm going to talk all about sex next week, and um, probably lots more seats will be full then. I don't know. Uh, but... Hebrews 13.4 says marriage should be honored by all. Marriage should be honored by all. Married, single. Marriage should be honored by all. And the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge. Strong. That's strong language. God will judge the adulterer, somebody who steps outside of their marriage to have sex with somebody else, and the sexually immoral. God will judge that person as well who's not honoring the marriage covenant, the way God designed marriage is sex to be enjoyed in marriage. That's what it's designed for. You step outside of that, you step outside of God's blessing, outside of God's protection, you step outside of God's uh, design for you, and pain is inevitable in that place. So this is a warning, right? This is a guard your heart type moment. Like, oh, we haven't been, so I need to start to create some boundaries, some guardrails sexually in my life. When you begin to date it's critical that you have these decisions made ahead of time. This is not like a brainstorm session. Oh, we'll just see what he thinks and what I think and what she thinks. You know, like, no, 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 no. 
Like, you got to have these decisions. In fact, that's a great filter. If somebody doesn't align with you on the boundaries that you have determined in your heart, they are not the right person for you. If they won't honor you and respect you now, they certainly won't when they put it on your finger, right? It is important that you understand that, that these boundaries are placed to protect you and to protect them from damage and brokenness. Sexual boundaries are really practical, right? Alone, after dark, aroused. Those three A's are trouble waiting to happen. We were, we were joking with some friends the other day. Uh, you go in to watch a movie together, that's great. Just stay sitting up, you know, like vertical, not horizontal. It's, it's a lot harder to do all those things. You're like, Richie, I found, I don't want to hear about it, all right? But, but man, just like have some practical understanding of like, oh, that's going to lead us down a road that we don't want to go, uh, sexual boundaries. Another one is emotional boundaries. This, this really becomes about connection and intimacy, you are designed for an intimate connection with your spouse. But if this person is not your spouse someday, you don't want to create these, these attachments emotionally, these attachments spiritually to them. That when they get severed, are actually going to damage them and damage you. And you're going to be carrying that kind of brokenness with you into whatever relationship in the future. So emotional boundaries are really important. And I, I, I would, for an example, I love you. We say that as friends. But when it comes to an intimate relationship, that is a massive door. Once you open it, you can't close it again. Think of somebody to stop saying, I love you to someone else. Ah, it's just a boundary I have. I don't like to tell that to too many people, right? Like, well, we've been saying it. Like, you can't just shut that door. Now there's damage. Now there's pain. Now there's brokenness. My wife and I, I, th I think it was once we finally got engaged is when we finally started saying, I love you to each other because we knew it was like for real then, like, and we would say all kinds of other things up to that. Like, I like you so, so much, you know. Like, like we were, like, trying to invent these ways to, like, not quite open that door. And it was funny because we never, like, said up front, this is an emotional boundary I have. You know, like, let me make my rules out for you. Like, but it was a determination in my heart that I had made ahead of time. I'd been drugged through plenty of knotholes relationally in the past. I'm like, I'm not going down those roads again. Let's do this God's way. Let's honor her. Maybe she's going to be somebody else's husband or wife someday. Like, I don't want to mess their marriage up, and so I'm going to keep these boundaries in place. Another emotional boundary I think is important to recognize, especially in a spiritual setting like this, is like reading Scripture and praying together. Oh, like we're, you know, we're doing good. We're honoring God in our relationship, and we're studying the Bible together and praying together late at night, all night. Right? Like, whoa. <laughs> Like you're opening doors spiritually that can't be shut. You're creating room for brokenness to be invited in. Like those are great habits as you make commitments to each other and vows before God and other people. Those are routines that you want to establish in any healthy marriage. But if you're not married yet, don't open those doors yet. I say it's just some practical boundaries as well. So there's sexual ones, there's emotional boundaries, some practical ones. It's just a simple rule of thumb from Scripture, Genesis 2.24. God says that, that a man leaves his mother and father and is united to his wife and they become one flesh. The goal of marriage is oneness. Not two separate lives, but, but these two people becoming one. One life, one adventure, one whole person. But what's important about this is when you're dating is that you don't act like you're one until you actually are one. And what I mean by that is a covenant before God, an actual marriage 
where you are before God, before your family and friends. Making a lifelong commitment to walk with this person, to honor this person, to cherish this person, to, to make this person the priority of your life. Without that covenant, there is no opportunity for God to bless you in that place. And I see this all the time is that there's this tendency to want the, the favor of God and the blessing of God and the goodness of God on a relationship when we don't actually honor God with that relationship. And you, you don't get that without going God's way. He designed marriage. That is what dating is aiming at. That's what we're heading towards. And so honor those boundaries and trust that as you walk God's way, you will find the fulfillment that you are looking for. It is so tempting to try to take fulfillment into your own hands and try to design a relationship based off your own wisdom and understanding and not believe that the creator of the universe actually loves you and wants you to be fulfilled in relationship, wants you to experience wholeness and joy and satisfaction in this marriage that he's created you for. And you're not there yet. And so trust him to walk you through this process of finding that one and growing close to that one and having all the boundaries that you need with that one. But I believe all of that is investment for the day when you guys are finally married and there's this fulfilling, amazing marriage that God has in mind for you. Trust him in this process. Don't skip the steps. Don't rush the process and think you've got it more figured out than God. That's really what we do. It's pride, isn't it? And that pride leads to destruction and damage so often in our lives. So I hope that you hear my heart in all of this today that God wants you to find that person. He does. If you're one of those people that I need to get married, I love and desire marriage, God loves that about you. And I know some of you are in situations where you need to get out of, you need to break up, you need to walk away, you need to be courageous in that. Don't him and awe, just cut it off and walk away. Others of you, you're thinking you're talking right now and you're not sure if this is good the like take some of these filters and ask some of your friends don't just trust your own like intuition ask me your friends how does he measure up how does she measure up to these these measurements that we talked about today get some honest feedback they love you they'll be courageous with you others of you 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 feel like maybe the opportunities are drying up maybe you're out of school now and you're just in the workforce and Man, it's hard to meet people, just a dating app or the bars, kind of stupid stuff that's just going to like lead to terrible decisions. And I want to ask you to just even trust God in that place, that you would, that you would go to him with this desire to, to actually marry somebody amazing and that you would go to him with a humility to say, God, I need you to lead me to that person and make me the kind of person that that person will really want to be married to, Lord, and, and know that this is a process that you're in. And one of the things that... I think about us as a church is we have an opportunity to make this a place where you can find that person. Oh, man, our team around here is passionate about raising up godly men. Like, you don't need to settle for stupid men, all right? Like, there are godly men being raised up. There are godly young women being raised up here. And I would dream about, like, how amazing. Like, you get serving on a team here, and pretty soon, like, you guys are serving communion together. Like, yeah, you know, like. 
I've never seen that guy before, you know? Like, how cool. Like, you're at kids' class together, and you get to see the character of that man as he's hanging out with little ones, right, in our kids' classes. Like, how amazing an opportunity this could be if you would really dial in here and go, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust your process. I'm going to trust the place that I'm in, that this is the church for me. These are the people for me. God, you're going to help me become who you made me to be in this context, Lord. And I'm trusting that you're going to work out these details. I believe that God can work so powerfully in your life that way. And I dream of this being that kind of a place. I think about that young adult worship. What a great chance to literally go see who's the most passionate people in the room about Jesus. Go talk to them. Right? Like, don't sit in the back. Sit up front. See who's near you. See who's pouring out their heart before God. Who's praying their guts out. Like, those are the kind of people that you want to be around. Surround yourself with those kinds of environments, and you will find godly people in those places.